Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Before we jump into today's guest, I want to talk to you about our On and Off Beverage Week events happening June 13th to 15th in Orlando, Florida. This week includes our annual Beverage Alcohol Retailers Conference put on by Beverage Dynamics Magazine from June 13th to 15th. Bark, as we call it, is the only off-premise retailer event in the industry. It's for independent retailers, large and small, with three days of high-level education and valuable networking. Beverage Week also includes our Cheers Beverage Summit, also June 13th to 15th, put on by Cheers Magazine. Intended for on-premise beverage executives, this event includes product and resource discovery, cost-saving ideas, best practices, thought-provoking panels, and unique networking opportunities. We hope to see you all there. Getting into our podcast, today we're going to be talking about a huge issue, improving diversity and inclusion in the alcohol industry. It's such a big issue that we're going to devote more than one episode to it. We're going to have a two-parter here. Today we're focusing on the beer side of the business. Our guest today is Jamal Robinson, Director of Sales and Marketing for the New England Brewing Company in Woodbridge, Connecticut. Jamal is also behind the Nebco African American Brewers Scholarship and the Connecticut Brewers Guild African American Brewing Scholarship in Connecticut. Welcome, Jamal, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, that's a uh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Yeah, happy to be there. This is uh, this is cool. Cool to be able to uh, bring these kind of conversations to light and uh, and promote this thing. It's been it's been cool. Absolutely, Jamal. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the scholarship that you helped set up? Yeah, sure. Um, so coming from a place of trying to, as our company, trying to play our role in diversifying the beer industry as a whole, um, the African American Brewers Scholarship is something that we started last year. Um, we've kind of attacked it on two fronts. One, um, starting an annual scholarship, which is something that we'll fund for the next five years, while we have committed to raising uh, $250,000 to build an endowed scholarship. So we had to go down the rabbit hole and figuring out how scholarships really work when it comes to an endowed scholarship. But it means um, creating enough funds that uh, build up enough interest to pay for the program as a whole. And, we, and it was important to us to create a fully funded scholarship that covers the whole program. If we're talking about diversifying the industry and bringing new people into craft beer, um, $15,000, which is what the 11 month program at Brewing Science, uh, that Sacred Heart University's Brewing Science program costs, that's a, that's a pretty heavy lift and a big ask for someone that's, that's got a full-time gig or coming from a different career and, and is not necessarily engulfed and ready to, to jump in full on with that and needing the, needing the education. So the annual scholarship was for us to be able to make an impact now and that the endowed scholarship was for us to be able to make an impact long-term. So we've started a, uh, I've started a committee outside of uh, the, outside of NEBCO, that's a, a collaboration of, of representatives from other breweries, um, Sacred Heart University, um, the district here in New Haven and Bears Barbecue. And we are creating an endowed, a, a 501c3 foundation to focus specifically on fundraising for the endowed scholarship, along with creating more opportunities and creating more scholarships as we grow as a, as a foundation. That's fantastic. Can you tell me a bit uh, about the response you had both from Nebco, uh, your brewery where you work, and from the other breweries as soon as you started expanding? Tell me a little bit about how the breweries reacted when you started uh, forming this project. Yeah, I mean, from Nebco, from our perspective, is one of those things we do a lot of charity. Charity is a big part of charity, people, and community is a big part of our brand culture from the jump. Uh, but this was certainly something that we didn't have any focus on. And, and 
when I brought this up and we talked about it as a director team, we thought it was important to, to create something specifically. So that's how our equality committee evolved internally. And that's a employee led committee focused specifically on diversifying the industry and, and bringing some awareness to racial injustice and helping black communities in our, in our area. Um, and from there, the first kind of order of business or the first attack plan was the scholarship. And then once we kind of made that public and started focusing on that, we had other breweries uh, jump on board and be like, you know what, this is a really cool initiative and, and we want to help build this in any way. So we've had uh, on our committee, we have uh, Melissa Mikado from Rhythm Brewing. We have Mike Ship from Athletic Brewing. Um, we've got representatives uh, from Great Falls. Uh, the owner of Great Falls is on our committee. Great guy. Um, um, representatives from District and Bears Barbecue, who were who are hosting the festival that we throw the Change in the Air Festival, um, and uh, yeah, we've got and then also reaching out to people in the community from Urban Professionals Network to Catrice Claudio, who owns Peak by Design, and uh, uh, Marion, who owns um, University of Dope, and just reaching out to other parts of the community to throw a very authentic event to help with the fundraising aspects of this. Do you see this expanding beyond Connecticut? I assume that must be the goal longer term. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the festival itself, we... we, we and when is the festival? Why don't you tell us a little bit about the festival so that listeners know how they can... Listeners in the New England area or anyone around know how they can come attend. Yeah, the festival is June 18th this summer at Bears Barbecue, the district in New Haven. Um, it'll run from noon to 7 p.m. And it's a beer fest, music fest, art fest, food fest and a cultural experience where we've got a lot of craft beer, um, but we've got all black and brown owned musicians, artists, local pop-up vendors, um, and, and, and restaurants. And the idea is that, you know, if we want to diversify who's brewing beer, we also have to diversify who's drinking beer. And most of us that are in the industry aren't actual brewers. So it's important that we diversify the entire culture and the entire scene. And instead of throwing your, your traditional beer fest and asking black people and brown people to come to that, it's a very white space and in, in traditionally, you know, in the, in the kind of music that's played, the kind of setup that's there and the way that it's set up. So we built an event specifically geared towards people of color and, and, and bringing in people of color to be the anchors of what creates the event and then bringing craft beer into that space. So we're introducing craft beer into a space that's familiar to this, to this new demographic in the craft. And, uh, and it and instinctively became an event that wasn't specifically supposed to be like black and brown specific, who those are the only people we want there, but it certainly geared to make those people feel more comfortable and invited to that fest. And then we had a great mix of white, brown, black, everybody um, at the fest and had an, had an amazing time. And it was, it was awesome. It was uplifting and exciting and fun. And we had, and from the brewer's perspective, so many breweries that were like, man, we have all these people asking like really cool, genuine questions that are new to craft beer and are finally in a space um, to be able to ask those questions in an authentic way. It, it brought back what the beginning of beer fests you know started as do you think the lack of people of color in the beer industry is because there haven't been opportunities or that they may not know that there's actually you know could be a, a career path in this industry yeah i think it's both of those things and i think it stems from a place of you know the the beer industry as a whole has has always been a predominantly white space and it's been a relationship based business right you get into the industry if you know a guy at a liquor store you know a guy at a restaurant and, and you get into those spaces so if you're not in those white spaces then you don't necessarily have the avenue to get in or at least the the understanding to know that it exists so that's a huge part of of 
you know, this festival and what we're doing is bringing awareness to that, the fact that this industry is there and available to everyone and then creating opportunity for people of color that are not in those traditional white spaces to have been able to it. The reason I'm in the beer business is because I used to work uh, when I was 18 years old, I was working at a Jewish deli in Vernon and uh the wait you were at ryan's deli i, I worked at ryan's deli for like six oh years oh my goodness you know oh i think uh, i think you've told me that before and i'm just remembering yeah. now ryan's yeah. deli i so listeners to be clear i live 15 minutes away from everything we're talking about i uh, love nebco love bears big fan of both those places you should definitely come visit new england brewing you should definitely go to bears if you're in connecticut you should definitely go to ryan's deli my goodness the best pastrami rubens in the state yeah, uh, yeah. Muscle ball soup, better Katz's, but best uh, pastrami Rubin uh, <laughs> in the state at Ryan's. I like Ryan's matzo ball soup, by the way. <laughs> uh, they don't put enough carrots and noodles in there, just a matzo ball. They need more in there. I'm sorry, we didn't mean to make this a matzo ball <laughs> podcast. I have a lot of thoughts that about That went Ryan's. south fast, but... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry, you, so that's fantastic you got to start at Ryan's. Another wonderful business. Yeah, yeah, great business, great people. I loved, I loved working there, and those people were, were very, very good to me. Um, but again, that's a it's a pretty pretty predominantly white space. You don't have a lot of black folks going into Ryan's Deli. No. And um, the VP of uh, Hartford Distributors, Dan Anheuser Busch Wholesaler, was a regular at that deli. He's a that's he, uh, a Jewish family, and uh, they came in all the time. They were always super nice to me. Always left a big tip, and uh, were very cool people. I happened to be working on my 18th birthday, and he offered me an internship at Anheuser Busch uh, at at Hartford Distributors um, on the Anheuser Busch side. So that was my my first leg into the beer business. But had I not been in that space, how do you find that opportunity? How do you, how do you get there? I wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Katz's Delicatessen and Ryan's uh, Wash on Lockers. That's my last thought about the Jewish delis. They're even. Um, well, Jamal, you just talked about something that I wanted to ask you a question about, you know, hiring and training are the first steps for these companies. Uh, how, how do you, def how can uh, hiring and training practices improve or change to foster a more diverse and inclusive workspace? Yeah, I think there's, there's a reality to any business wants when they're hiring someone, if it's not a completely entry-level position, they're wanting someone with experience, right? And, and, and being able to get someone with experience is based on the avenues where that experience is available. So when we talk about the beer business, there aren't a lot of avenues to get that experience if you're of color, if you haven't been front of house or a main at a bartender at a craft beer bar, front of house at a restaurant or working at a wholesaler, those are a lot of the traditional entries into the, the brewery side of the business. Um, so I think there's, um, and you're seeing the movement, you know, happening a little bit all, all over the country and a couple of places like Beer Culture and the Barrel and Flow Beer Fest that are providing scholarships and opportunities to get people into the industry and at least bring some awareness to it. But the reality is, you know, you have to be intentional about creating those opportunities and uh, intentional about the diversity and, and wanting to be there. I don't think there's anything wrong with with being open and honest about wanting to diversify space because anything that has more diverse diversity to it inherently makes it a better thing in general. And that goes, that goes as far down as, as, uh, as biological, you know, to like, you know, you look at a, a garden or a forest that the more biodiverse climate that they have, the better it is, the more it thrives to uh, an idea or a team, the, the team that you have that is more diverse is going to be a better team when you have a bunch of different perspectives to the, at the table. And when we look at craft beer as a, in an industry that's sure it's IPA dominant, but one of the things I have always loved the most about beer is the variety of styles and the ability to take four main ingredients and create this crazy diverse lineup of, of, of drinkable beers that are all awesome. So I think diversity is just something that 
um, that inherently makes everything better as a whole. And if every, and if people can focus on that and, and be honest and open about the intention of wanting to do that, then you, then you create those opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, and economically as well, this is one of the other arguments I always hear that I enjoy about the improving diversity and inclusion is when you expand the diversity and inclusion of your company, you're expanding your consumer base because now you're appealing to more than just what was the typical craft beer fan. You've now expanded to entire demographics that in the past may not have felt like they belong, but now feel like they belong. Because 100%, 100%. Craft beer is an $83 billion industry right now. And, uh, and that can only grow. You know, that's an $83 billion industry that's pretty much dominated by one demographic. You know, you, you talk about diversifying who's in that demographic and that can double, you know what I mean? Even triple. And, uh, and, that, and that's a good thing. And then especially when it talks about, you know, you picture walking into a space. A lot of people that I talk to and friends of mine that are white in the craft beer space, you can't, and they can't really imagine walking into a place that they don't feel comfortable in, right? You walk into a place where you don't see a bunch of people that look like you. And you take that for granted because that's just the way people have always been. But for people of color, especially for me, I've been in the beer business and there's very few situations where I walk into a brewery or a place where there are other people that look like me. And I've grown, I've, I've learned to be comfortable in my own skin, but there's a reality to that. If you're not in the industry or you're not from the space and you walk into a tap room and there is no one in there that looks like you and they're not playing music like you listen to and they're not serving food that you normally eat, it's hard to like instinctively be like, yeah, this place is, this place is for me, you know? And, and that's, and that's natural human nature. That's not even trying to be biased. That's just, that's just how we all kind of think and work. Um, so helping to diversify what the energy of, of tap rooms look like and the energy of beer fests look like and the energy of spaces in general look like is just going to make everybody feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that TJ Douglas, who's going to be on our next podcast episode, he owns uh, Urban Grape in Boston, one of the most successful and innovative wine retail stores in America. He talks about that often when he goes to wine events, wine conferences, he's often the only gentleman of color in the entire event. When he comes to beverage alcohol retailers conference, he's often one or two gentlemen of color in an event with hundreds of attendees. And you're right, it's, it's for people who haven't experienced that, there's no possible way for them to understand uh, the ch- and the extra challenges that that presents. Right. right. I wonder if the beer industry is moving a little bit faster than wine in that respect, because I see more people getting into wine. I see it getting a little more diverse, but they're also faced with a lot of um, discrimination and just general snobbery and things like that. Um, it's, you know, maybe because not only the craft beer, but with all the local breweries popping up, they're just, you know, there are maybe more opportunities for people. Yeah, there's probably some of that. I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know too much about the wine and liquor industry, but, you know, from a craft beer place or from a beer place in general, excuse me, one of the things I love the most about craft beer is this bootstrap kind of welcoming communal vibe that that comes with the industry that is kind of like an industry standard people are are, are welcoming overall and I've never for the most part I've, I've felt very comfortable and welcomed in in breweries and in spaces and in craft beer spaces and and uh, I've always had this mentality and instilled for me for my mom and just make sure that I I know what I'm talking about and to be very fluid in whatever conversation I'm trying to be a part of uh, more so than most people in the room if I can but um, when you come with that knowledge, especially, it makes it a little easier. But at the end of the day, I think as a whole, craft beer is a is a is a very cool welcoming space. For the longest time, it was like craft beer against big beer, and, mm-hmm. and we're like our own kind of entity. And now that it's blown up so big, there's a lot more opportunity with every brewery popping up in every neighborhood. Um, 
to be something that's a little more approachable and a little more accessible. Well, that was our next question is how much has the boom helped uh, usher this along to uh, better times for diversity and inclusion? Um, I think, I think that there's definitely a role of that that's, that's being played, but I think there's also a big role in just society's movement as a whole. I think consumers that are, you know, in that 40, 40 year old and under are, they care about more than just the product they consume. You know, I, I think there's, there's more to people when they spend their money, they, they want to know that they're spending their money on something in, in a lot of cases. I can't say that. I think there's a lot of people that are buying shit on Amazon and, and don't care where it's coming from or what the, 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 uh, the impact of the, the society that has on it. But I think there's a reality to like, you know, you don't see companies like huge companies like Nike putting out black lives matter movements. If they didn't think that, that their customer base cares about it, you know? And I think there's a reality to that. I think people do care about things and they care about the products and they want to support brands that care about that things that matter to them. Um, so I think society as a whole is moving that way. And I think craft beer is primed to move that way in a, in a very good way. And, and craft beer is one of those things or beer is just like, it's just as much a, a culture as it is an industry, right? People, craft beer has always been about people and it's always been about more than just the beer. The beer is the anchor. And uh, my old boss at Blue Point used to say, beer is the lubricant of social intercourse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's this thing that brings people together, but you've got people from all different walks of life and they all like good beer. Just like liking good food or liking good wine or liking good whiskey isn't determined on who you are or where you're from, it's on the palate. And those things bring these different demographics and different people together. And, and that's that's awesome, man. That's, there's, there's, to have something as to have an industry this big to be able to do something that impactful for society is, is important. Absolutely. Listeners, to be clear, I'm drinking some good beer tonight because I'm drinking New England Brewing Company's famous Fuzzy Baby Ducks IPA, which recently uh, got to distribution. This was the type of beer that people would line up outside the brewery uh, for ages to get a delicious IPA. Well, how do you even describe uh, Nebco's IPA style? Because you don't make the New England style, obviously. Um, you predominantly make, I, I almost don't want to call it a, a West Coast style because it's not, I don't know, how would you describe the, uh, the IPA style there? Yeah, it's definitely West Coast influenced. You know, yeah. I think it's definitely like the bones of our breweries a bit more West Coast um, with some like kind of East Coast balance to it. Um, mm. it's Fuzzy, Baby Duck, Fuzzy Baby Duck specifically is an all citra IPA. Mm -hmm. and when we started making that beer, citra is a very hot new hop, you know, and it's uh that beer has actually been around for 10 years and this is the first time we've been able to, to send it into distribution. So it's, it's pretty cool to see people still really, really excited about getting it. And, it, and it's a testament to the quality and the relentless quality that our, that our brew team puts into, into all of our beers. We don't take ourselves too seriously as people, but we certainly take the liquid incredibly seriously. Absolutely. Nebco for me, again, as someone who lives in Connecticut has been drinking Nebco for ages, the consistency uh, of the brewery has always been tremendous. I mean, Sea uh, Hag, which is your flagship, has not changed at all uh, since I've been drinking it for however many years I could legally drink, which is a lot at this point. Um, I'm just impressed with the consistency. I, I did want to ask you just some craft beer questions in general. Nebco yeah. occupies that space as kind of like a regional brewer. Um, I'm just wondering what, what state do you see regional brewers in uh, the current space? I mean, uh, to be clear to listeners who aren't from New England, or maybe even Connecticut, Nebco is sort of like the OG brewery of Connecticut, one of the original craft breweries, and it's still uh, doing tremendously well all these years later, and it just expanded, in fact, as well, uh, to a, a second uh, site. So just your thoughts on where uh, the industry stands right now for breweries of their size. 
Yeah, of our size, um, definitely regional. Um, we are fortunate because, you know, we have a very strong fan base uh, and we're looking to push. We did about 75,000, 75, over 75,000 barrels last year. Um, and we did all that in Connecticut. So we actually, we don't distribute outside of Connecticut. We used to, we used to be in, in most of New England, but once uh, the brand started to really get some traction, uh, we couldn't supply beer into our own backyard. So we pulled out of all those other states just to make sure that we could supply Connecticut properly and, and really focus here. And with craft beer booming the way it is, you know, the, the idea of brands expanding into 10 and 20 states just doesn't make sense the way it used to 10 years ago because every state has their own craft beer boom and every state has their own, you know, brewery on every corner. Um, it has their own like Nebco in every state. So we take a lot of pride in being able to, to, to sell a lot of beer here in Connecticut and focus specifically on our customer base here, on the liquid that our people want to drink here and, uh, and expanding it is secondary. But I think most breweries um, doing our kind of volume are in certainly more in, in, in a couple of states. Sea Hag is certainly, I would say, the craft beer of Connecticut, certainly the Connecticut craft beer I've had the most time. Just one of those beers where no matter where you go, it's always on tap. Uh, another thing I love about Nebco is the can art. You guys have some of the most unique can art. And you were talking about, you know, not taking yourselves too seriously, despite, again, being one of, I mean, without question, two or three best breweries in the state of Connecticut. Your can art's <laughs> it's whimsical. It's funny. The beer I'm drinking right now has a unicorn pooping a rainbow on it. Can you tell me a little bit about the can art? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I've got to give props to Craig Gilbert, our, uh, our illustrator. He's been um, a childhood friend of Rob uh, Leonard, our, the owner of the brewery, um, who's a great guy. Um, both of them are great guys, but, you know, Rob's the, just a great guy in general. And, you know, one of those guys, again, who instinctively cares about community, about people. You know, we wouldn't be able to do the, the scholarship and anything that we're doing. Um, we dedicate a lot of time and energy and, and, and resources and finances to be able to do these things. And without having a guy like that who cares about it to, to give us that freedom to do that, it doesn't really happen. So got to give a big shout out to Rob. But yeah, Craig Gilbert is our, uh, our illustrator and he is, he's been on board since day one. He literally grew up with Rob and he's, he's a great dude, man. He's also a bartender in the tap room. And uh, he's the guy that's like on the floor hanging out with the pups when they come in, but also, you know, serving you a beer while holding your baby, if you want, when you bring them into the tap room. He's just an all around great guy, but he's got this, this great energy and, and really interesting and fun personality and uh, artistic mentality that bleeds out into our, into our artwork, into our canning. I'm, I'm realizing I'm remiss in asking you what scholarship recipients, what can they expect to learn when they go to the uh, fine program at Sacred Heart University? Yeah, this is an 11 month program uh, that covers everything from brewing science. It covers sales and marketing. It covers um, owning a brewery, running a brewery, tap room management, et cetera. Um, and it, yeah, it's an 11 month program and it's designed so you can still work your full-time job while doing this class part-time. Because understanding that a lot of people that are transitioning into craft beer, especially into a brewing full-time career, still need to work their current gig. There's not many people that can just take off a whole year to, to, to pursue this program. Um, so yeah, and then after that, after the scholarship, um, our scholarship specifically, you get a six week internship at NEPCO in our, in our brewing department. And it'll cover everything from recipe development, brewing, packaging, production, um, a bit of sales and marketing as well. Absolutely. Would you say that the marketing and promotions at Sacred Heart University for this has been splendid and spectacular? 
I'm asking <laughs> this because my wife's the one who does it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, SHU has been a great partner in, in this program and in helping us develop marketing and, and get information out there and press releases. Um, your wife has been writing some awesome press releases and, and doing <laughs> the right thing for us. And it's been- I just read one. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a great partnership. It's uh, and it's and it's and it's cool because it, it seems to be really really important to the school and not just you know a thing for them to check off on the belt and to do from from uh, Vinny who is uh, who is one of the people that developed the program itself. He's on our scholarship committee, um, on our our Change the Air Foundation that we're forming. He, he's a part of the movement as a whole, not just just because it's a, it's a shoe thing. So it's 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 pretty cool to have buy-in from a, a genuine place. All right, Katz's Deli. One last Jewish delicatessen question. Katz's Deli, a listener, is pretty much across the street from Nebco or down the street. The amount of times that I went from Nebco to Katz's Deli in my life is countless. I, can't, I couldn't put a number on it. Um, and Ryan's Deli, where Jamal used to work, is pretty much Kyle, the best. You stop yourself. You're a king of the plugs today. It must be the beer. <laughs> I just want Jamal. Which one do you prefer? I'm putting Jamal on the spot. Which one do you prefer? Dude, Ryan's Deli all day, man. I, yeah. I, I know where my loyalty's lie. <laughs> yeah, man. The corned beef. Mine fresh. too, Jamal. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. Well, funny, I don't get the corned beef and stuff anymore. Now I get in and I get the smoked lots and oh. uh, all the smoked salmon that they do with the white yeah. fish. Yeah. My sister lives in Boston, so every trip down to Connecticut, she stops there and loads up. It's awesome. That's the way to do it. All right. Well, this has been amazing, and it makes me want a beer, actually. Unlike Kyle, I didn't bring one to the podcast, but (laughs) I will go find one. Um, Jamal, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on the scholarship, and best of luck with that. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. And uh, to our listeners, thank you so much. And don't forget to register for our on and off beverage week events, June 13th to 15th in Orlando, Florida. Again, that includes. There it goes again, plugging. Yeah, Jamal, please. If you'd like yeah, Jamal, to, what do you, have? if you want to sign up for the scholarship, uh, you can go to the SHU Brewing Science Program uh, to their website, or you can go to changingtheairfestival.com website. And there's links to both those directly to the scholarship, either to donate or to get on board to fill out an application and, uh, and, and join the program. Fantastic stuff. And again, thank you to our listeners. And until our next podcast, cheers. 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 Cheers.